a message for this morning, still an ongoing seasonal message. We, we have not gotten back to our exposition of Philippians, but Lord willing, next week. And uh, so uh, I've turned to Pro I will ask you to turn to Proverbs 3, 5 through 10. One of my favorite passages. And I'm sure yours too. It's Proverbs chapter 3. <clears throat> 5 through 10. Hear God's word. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord, and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel, and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the firstfruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this portion of your holy word that we are to consider this afternoon with thankfulness, with, Lord, also delight, and, Lord, also with earnest searching of its meaning and that all the more we may delight in you, our God, for what we have learned about you and about your will for our lives. In Christ's name, amen. From first fruits to last, it's about trusting in the Lord. In the Heidelberg Catechism, question 21, it asks, what is true faith or trust? True faith is not only a certain knowledge whereby we hold for truth all that God has revealed to us in his word, but also a hearty trust which the Holy Spirit works in me by the gospel, that not only to others, but to me also, forgiveness of sins, everlasting righteousness, and salvation are freely given of God, merely of grace, only for the sake of Christ's merits. You have such a hearty trust. How is your trust level? You know how we measure things all the time, including our sugar and it goes on from there. How is your trust level is the question I would pose to you this morning. First of all, is it exclusive? Exclusive in the Lord. It says in verse 5, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. So he becomes your first love. Not your second, not your third, not your fourth, etc., etc. The truth is, is that until you come to Christ... He is not your first, second, third, or fourth. He's your last. He goes on to say not to trust in yourself in verse 5. And lean not unto thine own understanding. Isn't that not what is our typical tendency to do? Is to trust in ourselves. That's what we're all about. That's how we got where we are, right? That's how we made what we have made uh, of ourselves. It's like the American 
ideal or a symbol of uh, success. The self-made man. Beginning with the pioneers that came out west, right? Go west, young man. Go west. But ironically, that's the, that's the problem too. Because when we make moi, numero uno, self, first, that's where the problem begins, you see? According to scripture. Because we're a sinner. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. How can we possibly get the final word on anything when we're relying on that and not on God? God says this in Proverbs 23, 26. My son, give me thine heart. Give me thine heart. Along with that, let your eyes observe my ways. Do we do that? Do we do that by taking time out for God each day? By beginning our day with the Lord? By not just heading on out in the morning, but, but taking that time to wait upon the Lord and His blessing that we may go out with Him ahead of us as the shepherd that leads the sheep. So is your trust in God exclusive because he is numero uno and not you. Secondly, is it earnest and entire? Earnest and entire. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledging him, acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. That's what it says, doesn't it? It is comprehensive. It is not just, well, Lord, I did this and that for you, but I didn't do this. It's having the desire and having the wherewithal, which will only come from him, to be able to do all of his will. To be able to say, as our Lord Jesus did in his life, as he was about to go to the cross, my meat and my drink my food and my water is not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Is that our desire is to, is to do God's will and thus to finish his work that he has entrusted us in this world. Did you know that that's why we're put in, in this life? We're not put in this life just for ourselves or just for our enjoyment only or just for our pleasure. Are we? No. As it says somewhere in one of our standards, it says, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. But it begins with glorifying God. Whether we eat or drink or whatsoever we do, do it all to the glory of God. Do you? Do you? That's the question. In that way, are you trusting in the Lord with all your heart? In that way, are you in all your ways acknowledging Him? Even without what will follow if you do. Because so often we're pragmatists. We're looking for what works, what will get us the best deal, right? Whether we're shopping, ladies, you know, or, or even us guys at Home Depot. Home Depot is my favorite store. Ross may be yours, ladies, but... 
<laughs> anyway, you got the point. Someone said, you know, when a sinner is converted to Christ, when his pocketbook book gets converted along with him. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. First fruits. That means it's the first of the crop. We often think that the first is not so good, right? We often think that, yeah, that's kind of like the, uh, the, the dry run. But usually it's the best of the crop. I used to pick, uh, I didn't used to, but uh, there were times uh, I would go to uh, Delano and, uh, and Fresno where my cousins lived and we would glean from the melons that were left behind after the, uh, the tractors, you know, well, after they were picked, after they were picked, we were allowed to get them. I'll tell you this. Why, why do you think they let us glean? Because it's the first fruits that are the best. They're just leaving whatever leftovers. So, what do we give God? The first fruits are the first and the best of the harvest. Is that what we're giving him? And in that way, are we showing that he is numero uno? It says in 2 Timothy 2.6, this. 2 Timothy 2.6. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. What does that mean? The husbandman is the farmer. He is the first to get the best. Right? The farmer is going to get what's best, and then he's going to sell the rest at the market. Who is the husbandman? Look at another, another scripture in... John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, said our Lord, and my father is the husbandman. Father, our father, wants the best. He expected that of his son. It is said of his son in 1 Corinthians 15, 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. He is the first to rise from the dead. He is the best to rise from the dead. But the Father expects that from all of us who are His, who are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. You and me who are in Christ now. It goes on in verse 5, And ye are the branches. And he that abides in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. But read on. For without me, you can do nothing. You can't do it by yourself. You can never do it by yourself. That's the whole point of Christ's coming. But not to abide is not an option. Not to abide in Christ is not an option. For if a man... He says, abides in me, abides not in me, verse 6. He is cast forth as a branch that is withered and then gathered 
And what do they do? Cast it into fire, and they're burned. Is your trust in Christ earnest and entire? And then finally, is it expectant? Is your trust one filled with expectancy? Verse 10, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Is that how you farmers, is that how farmers, you're not farmers, I don't think any of you are, or maybe you have been at one time. I, I, I'm the son, I'm the grandson of a farmer, actually, a farmer and a fisherman, so I, I, I can relate to this. But can farmers be farmers and not expect to have a great crop? Like in James 5, 7 and 8. James chapter 5, 7 and 8, which reads, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he received the early and latter rain. Ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Are you like the farmer described here, who waits long for the crop, for the precious fruit of the earth, as he describes it? He has long patience for that. He's willing to take the time because he knows it's God's time and that means that you have to be patient thank God that the long suffering of the Lord is salvation that, that there's something at the end of that uh, long suffering and patience of God toward us even the salvation of ourselves and of our families of our children our grandchildren our relatives those neighbors who are getting older and, and the harvest has come and they're still not saved. There's, there's still hope because of the long-suffering of God. But let us be patient also. Let us be patient like the farmer for what God has in store for us. When you have good food, ultimately, because that is translated into good, nutritious food, Right? Organic. I mean, that's, I'll just throw that in there because originally everything was organic. <laughs> Assuming you eat good food and, and not fast food all the time, uh, you will have good health. Verse 8, it shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. But the it of verse 8, it shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones, is not just food. It is the fear of the Lord. Verse 7. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. That's part of our spiritual good health. Fear and faith and food, they all go together. When we rise from the dead, when we all rise from the dead, we will be body and soul with the Lord. It's not just our souls that are going to heaven, but one day body and soul will be, will be with Christ. In verse, uh, in Proverbs verse uh, Chapter 1, verse 7. 
What does it say? It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. What you're hearing now, hopefully, is the beginning of knowledge, is wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the start of all that, because if you don't have that, if you don't have this reverential fear for God of what God can do, and also what God may withhold from doing in our lives, then you need to have that. I just put it that way. You need to inculcate that. You need to develop that. You need to work on the, 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 the crops, on the, on the field of your life, of your heart, and cultivate that so that you have that, you see. That's, that's very essential. And you fear because you know him in whom we live and move and have our being. You fear because you know every good and perfect gift is from above and cometh down from him. You know that you fear that that is God because you know that it is appointed unto men once to die. And he is the one that appoints our birth, but he is also the one that appoints our death and the judgment that follows. And by the way, that's why we need Christ. For without him, you can do nothing. And you need faith, and therefore you need faith. And it says in the word of God, but without faith in Christ, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So fear and faith, and lastly, food. Did not our Lord say, take no thought, for your life. Take no thought what you shall eat. Take no thought what you shall drink. Take no thought wherewith you shall be clothed. And he illustrated how all of these creatures of, uh, that are all around us, from the birds of the air to the, to the trees to the fields, are all sustained and, and nurtured by the power of God. And then he says, For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, meaning the unbelievers. Does not your heavenly father know that you have need of all these things? Come on, give him a break. Let us give him a break. I have to include myself. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Is your trust in God full of expectancy, of anticipation, of hopefulness? even of joy, as you know that he's going to come through. He will not make you ashamed, because the love of God is poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ, who has given unto us. You have the first fruits in you, because the first fruits are also the Holy Spirit. We heard how the first fruits, the first fruits from the dead is Jesus, but also, it says in Romans uh, 8, 22 and 23, that it is the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 
For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. The first fruits are again the very best of God. And there's nothing better than Jesus. And there's nothing better than the Holy Spirit, especially when He's living inside us. He is the treasure that is hidden within. He is that treasure that when we have found Him, we will sell all in order to buy Him, like that field, that treasure in the field. Are you the first fruits of God? Because Christ has died for you? Because He has risen from the dead in your behalf? He has ascended for you and he is now at the right hand of the Father interceding for you with groanings which cannot be uttered. And one day he will come again to bring you and I to our home sweet home. If we did not go there ahead of him. In 1 Thessalonians 4.14 it says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus, meaning died in Christ, will God bring with him. But if it turns out that we go ahead of his return and, and die before his return, yes, again, who will bring you and I home in that day? It said of the poor man, Lazarus, that he was carried by the angels into the bosom of Abraham. And I believe that that was not Abraham that was carrying him, but, but Jesus. Because Abraham doesn't have the strength, not even in heaven. It has always been our Lord. But if you're not a Christian, if you're not a Christian, you need to be a Christian. You need to be a child of God. You need to be with Jesus so that when you die, you will sleep in Jesus. And as he promised, that those who sleep in Jesus, he will bring with him. He will bring, God will bring with him to be with him. The ark is filling up and it's time to get on board, just like in the days of Noah. And someone said that trust is like getting on the boat or getting on the plane says, you may have a ticket in hand, but if you don't get on board, you're going to miss the ride. So it's essential that you act and act now and not wait if you're not in Christ. So in conclusion, if from one to ten, if one is the lowest and ten is the highest, how is your trust level this morning? It says, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. And I'm breaking it down into something that is relatable, that is for now, the first fruits of your time. Are you giving that to the Lord? Are you on time for the Lord? Or is he, or is he waiting for you? Are the first fruits of your treasure? You know, when I was a Roman Catholic as a kid, I would give God. <clears throat> The first fruits, all right, but they would all be in change, you know. 
Is that how your giving is? Well, if that's all you if that's all you have, then that is the first fruits. But if that's all you're giving, but that's not all you have, then you need to consider and be wise. How is the first fruits of your treasure? And lastly, the first fruits of your talent. It was the parable of the talents when there was one man in particular that was singled out. And why was that? Because he didn't profit what God had given to him. You know, God put us on this earth to profit thereby, to be profitable servants, even though in ourselves we are unprofitable servants and are to declare ourselves as such before the living God. But the fact of the matter is, is that we are called upon to profit beginning in the word and in prayer and service to the Lord. Are we doing that? Or are we still sitting on our lees, on our accomplishments, or having come to Christ at one time? And, and that's it. No. The focus of our Lord is on the one who buried his talent. And then he said about that man who buried his talent, which was not in the kingdom of God, that God would bury him. Finally, in hell. Because he did not profit the Lord. Buried the Lord, as it were, in the ground of his life. And so, there it is. There's the challenge of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And if we would turn back to it for a moment and, and read it. Together, actually, it would be good. Proverbs three, and I'll and I'll reduce it to verses five and six, which is our memory verses from the past. Trust in the Lord. Let's say it together. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for the study of this passage. And Lord, even with whatever lack of clarity and certainly lack of understanding that we may have of it, beginning with myself, as the one whom you use as your servant to bring the word. Lord, may this scripture indeed be fulfilled in our lives. May you give us a greater measure of trust in you and hope in you and love for you. May you, Lord, enable us to trust in you with all of our hearts not in ourselves, and not in ourselves, and to acknowledge you thus in all of our ways as our first love, as our all in all, as our glorious King and coming Redeemer. In the name of you, Lord Jesus, we pray.